0: Let's, uh, let's continue in uh, prayer. Almighty God, uh, we do ask that your love, uh, your righteousness, your justice would extend to us at this time as we hear your word, as we explore what it means to be your people um, together. What it means to be a people that are seeking to follow after Jesus speak to us, each one of us, and speak to us as a community, so that we might uh, be those that live into uh, your righteousness, your, your justice, and your love. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. All right, so today we, we start a new series um, called uh, Apprentice. Um, uh, uh, one in which we're going to explore in this next month. You know, what, what does it mean to, to craft our lives together in Christ? That, 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 that's what the church is, is about. We're a group of people who are first and foremost an apprentice to Jesus for life. You know, we um, an apprentice is, is one you know that you hear that often in, in a, a trade or in a skill. You know, so you might be a plumbing apprentice, and so what do you do? You find someone who's an expert in plumbing, and then you go work with them. You hang out with them and learn from them their their skill, or in in medicine, or in, in teaching. You know, you're, you you apprentice yourself to one who is a master. So that you can learn their their skill well that's that's what Christians really are we we are an apprentice to Jesus for life we 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 want to hang with him so that we learn from him what it means to be fully human what it means to really to live in 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 love and really apprentice is just a a, a, a word we use today to say the same thing when we talk about what the Bible talks about, being a disciple. A disciple is one who's apprenticing to Jesus for life. Now, the church then is a group of apprentices where we apprentice to Jesus and we apprentice with one another. That's a ministry of discipleship. Because there's there's times when we, we apprentice ourselves to another follower of Jesus so that we might learn from them, their 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 skilled from their experience and their expertise as they are apprenticing to Jesus. Or there may be times when people will apprentice themselves to us. As we're following Jesus, they would learn from us. I mean, that is the ministry of discipleship, of trying to craft our lives together in Jesus. Because what's important is to recognize that, that Christianity is Not following some moral code. Christianity is not just being a part of a particular little institution. Christianity is not just believing a certain doctrinal system. Now those things are present, but what Christianity is is a group of people seeking to help one another follow in their real life expression the ways of Jesus. It's a journey of of transformation according to the words and power of Jesus. And when we do that together, when we are apprentices to Jesus with one another and we are disciples with one another, that is the ministry. Of discipleship. Now, today we're going to look, and throughout the, well, throughout this, this month, we're going to look at particularly at Paul, the Apostle Paul, and specific relationships. Today, we're going to look at Paul and Timothy, and in this one, Timothy is the apprentice to Paul, as they are uh, apprentices to Jesus. And so, we'll we'll see that um, uh, unfold in their their lives. And and matter of fact, uh, um, you, you see that in Second Timothy chapter two, verse two. Um, is where we see actually four generations of disciples mentioned here. So in the letter, this is a letter from Paul to his apprentice Timothy. And this is what he says to him. What you've heard from me through many witnesses entrust to faithful people who will be able to teach others as well. So you see the four generations There's Paul, then Timothy, Timothy to others, and those others need to pass it on to others. That is the ministry of discipleship. Those are apprentices to one another unto Jesus. Now, this is the ministry of multiplication. That is the way the church has spread around the world since the days of Jesus. I mean, Jesus, remember, he had uh, 12 disciples. He called to come alongside Him in life, to walk with Him for three years. They, they hung out with Him. They lived with Him. They ministered with Him. They served with Him. They, they ate. They played. Um, they, they did everything in those three years. And then when Jesus left, He then left them the charge. Now you go do what I've done with you. Now you go do that with others who will then do it with others. And so... At the beginning of the church, after Jesus left, there were 120 people. Then Pentecost, the day the Holy Spirit came on the church, was an explosion of uh, thousands of people who come to Jesus. And then from that day on, it's been this ministry of multiplication. Now you might say, yeah, you know, just one person pouring into one person, you know, just taking 12 and then spreading it around. Isn't that going to take a long time? It isn't, isn't that an inefficient way to do it? No, it isn't because one, it's about life. It's again now if if it was just about information, then there are really much more uh, there are much more efficient ways to do it. You know, you can just do it on one on a thousand. But when it's life, when it's about living out the ways of Jesus, then it takes relationships. And so, but um, uh, think about this though. It's uh, it's also is the way that becomes exponential in a hurry. All right, let's just say that one of you, just one of you, let's just say it's going to be you, say, this year I'm going to pour my, I'm going to find a Timothy, I'm going to pour myself into Timothy for this year so that at the end of this year, September 2018, we will both be prepared to then pour ourselves into somebody else. Okay, So we do that for this year so that you, and then you find your Timothy and you pour into them, this time next year, there'll be two of you. All right? Well then, you do that again. Well then, two years from now, there'll be four of you because the two of you, you know, had two Timothy, so now there's four of you. And then the year after that, well then you do that that year, well then there's eight. And then the next year, there's 16, then 32 then 64, then 128. You get how this works, right? So then 256, 512, and by year 10, there's 1,024 apprentices to Jesus because you started today discipling one. Now, over the course of the 10 years, you've only discipled those 10 people. But as you multiplied, within ten years, you had a a group of people, three times as large as this congregation, who are discipling Jesus. That's only if one person does it. For one a year, for ten years. That's the power of multiplication that Paul calls Timothy to that Jesus calls the church to, and that we are to be about. So Paul, then to Timothy, is Timothy to those that follow him so that they will then pass it on to others, is the strategy of the church, of being apprentices of Jesus for life. How we craft our lives together in Christ. So what I want us to do today is look at um, just Paul and Timothy's relationship, particularly, and we'll see what are some of the elements here of this kind of a of, of relationship, this discipleship relationship of being an apprentice to Jesus together. Um, all right. So and so we're gonna. Those of you that like um, uh, to take notes and you like Bible um, uh, 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 references, well, you're gonna love this because we're gonna walk through a whole whole bunch of different ones. We'll have them on the on the screen. Don't worry about uh, going back and looking them up they'll they'll be here and you can catch them and if you are one that likes to look back then have a pen and paper ready and you can um, uh, write them down but first we'll look at acts chapter 16 uh, verses 1 through 4 and this is the occasion where paul first meets timothy Okay? So Paul's on these missionary... Jur- Acts 15, the church has gathered. And they've made this big declaration about how the church is for Jew and Gentile alike. You know, that all the walls are down. Jesus is brought all together. And now um, Paul is charged with, with taking that to the rest of the world. And so Paul went on also to Derbe and to Lystra where there was a disciple named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the believers... In Lystra and Iconium, Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and had him circumcised because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went from town to town, they delivered to them for for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So this is the first time they meet, and then Paul says to Timothy, you come with me. Let you go hang out with me as we go from place to place carrying out this function. And so what we see here, first and foremost, is there is a relationship between the two. They spend time together. They share life together. They do things together in Christ. They're they're walking together in ministry. Now 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 10 through 15 gives it even a little more detail to that all right so in Timothy or 2 there's 1st and 2nd Timothy and Paul is writing these letters to Timothy you know as his student to uh, continue to encourage him and, and and teach him along the way and, and so this is part of those letters and most a lot of our references will be from these two letters So Paul says to Timothy, Now you've observed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions, and my suffering, the things that happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, what persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them, Indeed, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, that wicked people and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving others and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you've known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Now the key thing from this particular passage is that Paul is saying you've seen me, you've you've lived with me, you you've seen, and not only the skills of what I've done, but the character, whether I was patient or impatient, whether I acted in love or didn't. You've you've seen that, you've experienced all of that, you've experienced me in suffering and persecution, so real life stuff. When I was crying in the middle of the sanctuary and had to get dragged out, you were with me. So this is about really sharing life with one another—the laughter, the joy, and the pain. But uh, and, and even um, uh, I love this passage, First Timothy five twenty-three. I mean, this is in the Bible. It's you know one of the, the stories as is, is Paul is giving all these great truths to, to Timothy. In the midst of it, he just says, "Now remember, no longer drink only water, but take a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments." You know, they mean, so it's real relationship. They know one another. And he's saying, you know, the water, you know, it's not quite as purified and your tummy gets troubled. So be sure to drink a little wine with that so that that won't happen. And then uh, 2 Timothy 1, 2 through 7. To Timothy, my beloved child, Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm grateful to God whom I worship with a clear conscience and some of my ancestors did when I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day, recalling your tears. I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice and now I am sure lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that was within you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Now here... I mean, you get the depth of the relationship even more. I mean, this is my beloved son, Paul calls Timothy. And he remembers when they parted, and he remembers um, Timothy's tears. And, and, and now he longs to be with him. He, he wants to be connected and looks forward to that joy together. So there is a sense of, of relationship where they share life with one another. They share hardships. They share joys. They, they share their, their spiritual Um, Reality with one another in, in prayer and joy and tears. So you see the fullness of their relationship. That's a necessary part of being church together, of crafting life with one another, that we have those kind of relationships. A second thing that we see in Paul and Timothy is that Paul gives Timothy responsibility. He gives him responsibility to live out his faith in real life experiences. We'll see in a number of, of uh, different places. Philippians chapter 2. This is, these are a couple of letters where Paul is writing to the church in these places and he'll mention Timothy to them. So I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you. Philippians two nineteen to 21 so that I may be cheered by news of you. I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. All of them are seeking their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But Timothy's worth, you know, how like a son with a father he has served, me, served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. So even there, you, you catch the relationship between the two and you also see now he's, he's going to send him to Philippi because to, to deal with stuff that's going on there. 1 Corinthians 4.17, the, the same thing. Um, um, we keep missing that one. Maybe I got it wrong. But 1 Corinthians 4.17, he basically tells him, Um, For this reason, I sent you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. So, sends him to the church in Corinth. Then 1 Thessalonians 3, 2. And we sent Timothy, our brother and co-worker for God in proclaiming the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you for the sake of your faith. So there he sends him to the church in Thessalonica. So he's giving him responsibility along the way. Now, 1 Timothy 1, 3 through 7, and we'll catch the same thing here, except here he's telling him not to go someplace, but to stay for a while in Ephesus. I urge you, as I did when I was on my way to Macedonia, to remain in Ephesus so that you may instruct certain people not to teach any different doctrine and not to occupy themselves with myths and endless genealogies that promote speculations rather than the divine training that is known by faith. Now, so cassius He's telling them, I want you to stay in Ephesus. This, this uh, serves as well. So again, he's giving them responsibility. And and but note here this is a side benefit of this particular passage that he says but don't get caught up in all the speculations about what people think focus on divine training because here is our aim our aim is that its instruction the aim of such instruction is love that comes from a pure heart a good conscience and sincere faith again, see that this is the purpose of the church. Not to have smart people who know all the ins and outs, but to have loving people who serve with a pure heart, good conscience, sincere sincere faith. That takes relationships. That takes giving responsibility. And now... We need to have right doctrine. We we need to understand those things. But unless they they accomplish this, they're not fulfilling the purpose that God has for them. So again, there's huge responsibility that Paul gives to Timothy. Now this is a a real key thing in the church, and and, and actually in a whole bunch of uh, settings. There are no helicopter parents or lawnmower parents in the church. You know, helicopter parents are parents that hover over their their children um, when they're um, in college and call or email their professors or uh, hover over them after they've graduated and they've gotten their first or second job and they call their bosses to complain about how they're treating their child. That's, That's a helicopter parent and I'm not making this up. You know, a lawnmower parent is, is one who, who cuts the grass in just the right path so that your children have no problem but walk on cleanly cut grass all the way through life. That is not what this is about. This is good good implications for parenting. Also, good implications for the church. Some of us, like me, old people, you know, over 50... <coughs> Sorry, but we are. That's just the way it is. We've got to give up some of our control. Now, that's a real ouch. Yeah, yeah. But we've got to give our control to those Timothys. Giving them responsibility, just like Paul did. Yeah, but not to hover over or keep them under our wing, but then to put them in places where they truly face persecution or maybe even fail. That's the work of the church that is necessary in these kind of relationships. In, in the, 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 the ministry of discipleship, of being apprentices of Jesus, we have to have relationships where we truly share life with one another, and we have to have responsibility to live that out in real life. so Because it's there that we are formed. This doesn't happen in a classroom, this doesn't happen in here. This happens out there where we're truly formed to be people of love and sincerity and faith. All right, then the other, the other things that Paul does is then with, uh, with, with Timothy, and we see this in his writing, he is regularly encouraging him and educating him. Encouraging Him and educating Building Him up. Supporting Him on this difficult journey because to follow Jesus in any time, at any place, in this world is difficult. It is hard. It is impossible in human form. To live a life of love and sincerity and faith, it, it takes support and encouragement towards one another. So, 1 Timothy 1, 18 and 19. I'm giving you these instructions. See, he's teaching him. So there's education. Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies made earlier about you, so that by following them, you may fight the good fight, having faith in a good conscience. By rejecting conscience, certain persons have suffered shipwreck in the faith. You know, so there's instruction, but then encouragement. You know, remember the prophecies. Keep fighting the fight. Keep going. You're doing the, the right thing. All right, 1 Timothy 4, 14 and 15. Do not neglect the gift that is in you which was given to you through prophecy with the laying on of hands by the council of elders. Hey, so again, remember, you've got a church that surrounds you. You've got people that have laid their hands there are supporting you, praying for you. You are not alone. Remember those times. Put things into practice. Devote yourself to them so that all may see your progress. Again, remember the prophecy. Remember the gifts that you have given them. Naming them. The gift that he has second Timothy one eight through10. Do not be ashamed then of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel. Now Paul's writing this from prison. This is close to the end of his, his life and, and he's been heavily persecuted and yet he's he's continuing to write to Timothy, Don't be ashamed of this. Now this, this is this is all still part of God's plan. And then invites him, join with me in the suffering for the gospel. See if we're if we're helicopter church people, if we're if we're just always just protecting, then we don't give people opportunity to suffer for the gospel and to rely for the pow- on the power of God. And he said, now this is, this is the time. Rely on God's power. Remember, He's the one who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus. He's teaching Him now, continuing to go back to that same message, salvation by grace through faith. It is a gift of God, not of our own works through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And as Paul is facing death, he's reminding Timothy, who's also facing persecution. Now keep going. Jesus has abolished death. He's the one who is life to the full. So he encourages and he educates along the way. I've heard it said, love always, condemn never, encourage often, and correct when necessary. Love always, condemn never, encourage often, and correct when necessary. And you see that in Paul. He is encouraging, encouraging, encouraging. And he's he's educating them along the way. So, for the church, for the ministry of the church, this ministry of, of, of being an apprentice to Jesus, and this ministry of discipleship where we encourage and support one another, help one another to be Jesus' apprentices in all of our life, we need significant relationships with one another where we are given responsibility and experiences of living that faith out in real life. And in those relationships, we encourage and build one another up and continue to to educate and to, to teach one another. Now, today we've looked particularly at Paul as the one who is mentoring, teaching Timothy. Timothy is the apprentice. If you're like Paul, then who's your Timothy? Who's the, who's the one? Just one person. And, and uh, you don't even have to develop a new relationship. It may be existing relationships that simply you need to consider right, how am I a Paul to this person? How, how am I in, in a relationship with this person that's crafting a life together that is following after Jesus? Now, for some, it uh, may be your children. Or your grandchildren. You may need to look no further than their beautiful, bright, shining faces. Because the family is the primary disciple making unit. The, the Christian family is the primary disciple making unit. Where start, Timothy started there. Remember Paul, he knew his story, he knew Eunice. You know, he knew Lois. And Sociological study after sociological study has shown us time and time again that the greatest impact on the faith of a child when they're an adult was the faith of their parents. It's not, it's not the, the faith and practice of their pastor. It's not the uh, faith and practice of, of their peers. It is the faith and practice of their parents. So you as parents, we as parents, we have, believe it or not, it may it may seem to you like you have no impact. But when, that's why the proverb says, "You know, train them up in the way they should go, and in time, they'll get there." But study after study showed that we as parents have the greatest impact, and so maybe that's where you need to, to look and start right there. And, and and that's a challenging word. That's it because there are a lot of competing forces for your time with your children. There are a lot of things that that we have feel like we have responsibility for for our children. You know, we we, we want their grades, we want their education. And that's a really good thing. And we want them to to thrive in in, in dance or music or sports. We want them to, to do those things. But it, we, which is more important to to lead them in the way of following Jesus or that they get straight A's or that they know how to throw a curveball. You know, which, which is, which has to be our highest priority? And strategically, it's the most significant because you, we are the ones as parents that have the greatest influence. And what we as a church, what we, that's why we surround one another, to help one another to do that in our families first and foremost. So maybe that's where you need to look. Children or grandchildren, Maybe th- to look at work. Maybe there's there's folks at work um, who are um, younger than you at, at your place of work, or or maybe they're um, and they're they're coming on board, and, and you they, you need to, and they're they're wondering as Christians, how do I live for Jesus? How do I apprentice myself to Jesus in the workplace? And you're there to help them. God's placed you there now to bring them alongside of you and to pour into them. Or maybe that somebody at work who who doesn't know Christ. They're just trying to figure out how to live life. And they, they need somebody to come alongside them, to walk with them, not only in work but in life and to point them to the ways of Jesus. Maybe here at church. I mean, there are certainly obvious ways that folks can, can pour into others on, on Sunday morning, and uh, the variety of classes and youth ministry, um, in uh, in teaching or, or helping f- with the children's choir or helping with the children's dance troops and Jesus University and things like maybe. Pl- there's plenty of things in, in church ways for you to, to pour into those younger in the faith. One, another option is if you're, if you're a teacher in one of these ways, it may not be that you're really to, to pour into the children, but you're to pour into someone who's another adult to bring alongside of you and you're there to help them learn how to pour and teach and lead the, the children under your care. Uh, maybe in the community in, in your neighborhood in, in the the things the, the folks that are around you now one of the ways that we do that in the church is through WizKids Kids and Treehouse and tutoring ministry at Pleasant Pleasant Hill uh, Academy at uh, local elementary school and again and it's a, it's designed um, to to tutor them in the ways of reading writing arithmetic and Jesus And it's a wonderful opportunity of engaging with children and in a public school, um, to come alongside them. Now, maybe you, you hear these and you're like, "Yeah, all right, that, I like this. This is really good. This is a really significant point." Um, but how do you do it? How, how, how you, I see this, this is the this is the way that the church is, is growing. This is the way of Paul and Tim. It's the way of Jesus. It's the it's the way that the the the, the church um, carries out its ministry. But how do we craft life together in Christ? And if that's your question, then I invite you um, to participate in the connection groups that start up in October. There's an article about it in Hot Off the Press. There's a board outside just asking you what time you would be available to do it. And, and this is um, an eight-week process where we're designed just to taste what it means, this ministry of discipleship, Christian community where we share life with each other where we pray with each other where we experience um, faith in, in our outside of the group and really encourage and support one another so that we have the skills to then do the same thing wherever we are, at work, at home, at church, in the community, in other places. But those will start up in October um, and invite anyone, encourage you, anyone and everyone to, to be um, a part of those groups. And again, you see the, the, the basic sign-up right now, we're just trying to figure out when folks will be able to do it. It's an eight-week process. It is two hours, an hour and a half to two hours a week. Where we meet together. I mean, because, like I said, you know, relationships and stuff like this, it's not something you can do online. It's something you've got to do flesh to flesh. You know? It's something you've got to do with, with one another. And ultimately, this ministry of being an apprentice to Jesus together, this ministry of discipleship, is not an option for the church. Because this is the way of church. We pass on our lives. We pass on the faith to one another. We learn to pray with each other. We learn to share life with each other in Christ, to encourage and support one another and walk with each other on this journey of faith, supporting and helping one another, being an apprentice to Jesus in life. That is the essence of the Christian church. Now, invite, uh, invite Colleen Shide to come forward and, and share with us a little more detail uh, about WizKids and Treehouse specifically as one of the options there. And that, I gave you a bunch of options. Remember, the challenge, just pick one. Just pick one. Where is a, your, your place to really pour in this year? Colleen.
1: Yeah, this is a fun apprenticeship opportunity. On Tuesday nights from 5 to 6, a bunch of us go up to Pleasant Hill Academy, which is the neighborhood school about a mile north of here, and we have a one-on-one tutoring ministry, mostly literacy, actually a little bit of math, but mostly reading, um, with kids in second through fifth grade. Uh, kids is for second and third graders with a strong literacy focus, and then by the time they can read well enough to read the Bible, we read the Bible with them. Why not, right? Um, So it's more of a discipleship focus with the older kids because the Bible is our text and we're still building comprehension and fluency, but we are grounding them in the Word of God because I just think that's one of the biggest gifts we can give any kid. Uh, We need a number of things. We need tutors, obviously. We also need drivers because a lot of the kids um, from the families who come don't have any transportation, um, so they need to be picked up and driven to WizKids or Treehouse. We also are inviting people to make snack donations, um, little waters, you know, the not-too-big not, not too big waters, and uh, packets of snacks that aren't horribly bad for them, um, but still likable, like uh, pretzels or peanut butter crackers or something like that. Um, all of this is just for an hour a week with a kid, and a lot of times people wonder, does an hour really make a difference? There are outcome studies that show academically it does make a difference. One hour with a caring adult really focusing in on a kid can make a huge difference to their academic performance. Uh, More importantly even than that to me though is that these kids are weekly experiencing Christian community by being with us. They are We're having a spiritual time with all of them, where they're getting grounded in the Bible. They're reading the Bible and being invited into a relationship with Jesus. It's an evangelistic ministry. So, um, if you have any interest, we would love you to get on board. Um, We will start on October 3rd uh, with a training. And then we'll, we'll begin the tutoring the following week, October 10th. Also, this whole thing is, oops, under the umbrella of City Gospel Mission, which is an organization that's reaching out to people all over the city to help help folks out of poverty and into the life that God has for them. So it's a, it's inspiring to be part of this bigger movement, and they have cool training, and great resources, and they give us a lot of help. So. That's a fun part, but it means that you got to jump through some hoops, so you need to register at thecitygospelmission.org volunteer volunteerslash youth if you want to join us. So please uh, get that information from me. I will be out in the atrium um, after the service and for the next few weeks to help you get on board if you would like to, if you have any questions. Or you can talk to the people who are showing up in pictures um, to see what the experience is like. As well, if you are a student, we need people 16 or over, but high school students are so welcome. If you can make the commitment, if you can show up every Tuesday. Um, Kids love high school mentors. They just really, really relate well. Um, Okay, I wanted to read you really quickly a couple of evaluations that I got from the older kids last year, just to give you a sense of how the kids feel about this ministry. Um, This is just a a little sampling. One of them said, I love every person in Treehouse. Another kid writes, Treehouse is the best thing ever. It helped me get closer to God and make better decisions in my life. They're great people. All in all, everyone is great, and everyone feels loved. Mm -hmm. I thought that was cool. Um, This kid says, I'm proud that I got to meet these people. This made me really happy. That's big. And then, this is my favorite. I love how they help us get to God more closer than we would. (laughs) (laughs) So, if you don't get involved any other way, please pray. Pray that these kids will learn to read before the fourth grade. Because if they don't, they start falling behind in everything. Pray that they will start to read the Bible for themselves. Pray that they will come to faith in the Lord and their families also will come into a faith community, either this church or another church. Please pray for these people that we're reaching out to. Thank you.
0: Amen. Thank you, Colleen.